You are listening to the Doug Saravo Show. And today I had a special guest on the show. His name is Brendan Wong. We discussed life, uh, the pandemic, and we also discussed, in most of this episode, the UFC. It's a great episode, and it will be on right after this word from our sponsor. Welcome to the Doug Saravo Show. Today we have a special guest with us. Brennan Wong. Brennan, how are you today? Doing very good. How about you? How are you holding up throughout this pandemic? Um, doing pretty good. Just relaxing at home. I will hang out with some of my friends here and there, but in a safer matter. And pretty much the rest of 2020, it's just been mostly me relaxing at home, trying to stay safe, and hopefully this whole thing will blow over soon. Yeah, I hope so. It's, it's been tough for a lot of people. Yeah, and... Family, friends, co-workers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And... Right now, I'm still lucky that my family hasn't had COVID yet, so I'm trying to keep it that way, especially with the COVID vaccines now being officially made and like released uh, publicly. Moderna and uh, Pfizer, right? Yeah, Moderna and Pfizer. It's pretty good that we're getting one. So um, we're going to talk UFC, life in general. Um, I want you. There's a lot of people that may not know the terms like middleweight. Um, what are those, what other ones did I see? Uh, welterweight, bat, baton weight. Can you take, give us like an ex- explanation about those those terms, those fights? All right. So pretty much, and if you watch UFC or MMA, you know that there's like you know obviously weight classes like there is in boxing. So, um, so I'll start from the bottom, and I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. Like, is it ranks levels? Uh, there are ranks in each and every like weight division that the fighters compete in. So it's not like just one big ranking. There's separate rankings in each you know, weight division. So for 125 pounds, you've got flyweight. 135 pounds, you've got bantamweight. 145, featherweight. 155, lightweight. 170, welterweight. 185, middleweight. 205 is light heavyweight. And then last but not least, you've got heavyweight which is you know 265 or maybe 266 because they allow you to do that one pound allowance but for females you got the straw weight which is 115 and you got women's flyweight which is 125 the same thing as the, as the guys uh, women's bantam weight is 135 and then last one for the women's division is 145 which is featherweight so. Oh, so it's kind of like hockey, but like the like the age of like midgets, uh, bantam. Uh, what else do we have? So instead, instead of like um, age group, it's based on the weight. Yeah, it's based on the weight, and they will also sometimes be separated by height because obviously you cannot let like a very tall guy, like you know, fight in a lower weight class because there's got to be like some like you know like even like playing field to that because like I mean obviously you'll fight some tall guys and not like you have to fight the guys who are the same height as you you will fight guys who are like maybe one or two three four inches taller than you but um, it all depends on the weight class really that's when the height really matters because if there is some sort of like big height disadvantage in one of the weight classes then they're not going to allow that it's either you move up a weight class or you move down a weight class depending on who the fighter is so, do you think that has, like, an effect when it comes to, like, people betting? Like, when you bet for, like, UFC fights, is there, like, a, a metric that people could look into? Um, mostly when you're betting on UFC fights, you just have to bet on who do you want the fighter to win, like, which fighter do you want to win, 
and there will be also a method of like how the fight's gonna finish, probably either by decision, submission, KO or TKO. And if you want to go into a more detailed like betting option, they will sometimes give you like the options of where you think like who you think this fighter will like win this round or that round or the later rounds. So they will allow you to bet in like in the rounds too. Interesting. So I wanna recap twenty twenty. You know, I know there was like some drama between Colby Covington and I'm not sure the guy's name, but I saw it on television. Uh, you mean Kamar Usman? Yeah, I saw that. It was pretty interesting. What a what a ramp by Colby. What was that all about? Uh, Colby Covington. Um, he had the opportunity of, you know, fighting Kamar Usman and winning the belt against him or something like that. But in their first match, which is pretty much held on my birthday, and actually I just turned. 22 not too long ago but during that fight on my birthday i was watching it and so in in some of the rounds like it was pretty much a close fight but majority of people had kamar usman winning three rounds and kobe covington winning the second round so in that fight if uh, kamar usman didn't knock out kobe covington he would have won the fight by decision anyway so it wouldn't make a huge difference but Kobe Covington, with him being a very vocal guy and like this, and likes to talk trash, he called out Kamar Usman again, hoping that he would get a rematch and going for the title again. And Kamar Usman, obviously, he's like you know, pretty much excited to wait for that because he likes because he wants to beat him up again. But obviously, within next year, Kamar Usman will be fighting Gilbert Burns, who is his teammate for the title. And after that, that's when the UFC president Dana Dana White will decide who will fight for the title next and what kind of like title elimination contender fight will be held at. You mentioned a knockout. Were there a lot of knockouts this year? Because I, I don't, I'm not really sure. I there, we've, we've had some competitive fights. Yeah, there were a lot of knockouts, even like very like highlight worthy knockouts. Logan Paul and Nate Robinson. <laughs> oh, well, Logan Paul, well, you, you actually kind of mix it up with Jake Paul, so... Yeah, obviously you saw... Oh, it was Jake Paul? Yeah, it was Jake Paul who fought Nate Robinson, and Logan Paul is going to be fighting... Oh, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather in February 2021. So obviously, in that fight, you knew that Jake Paul was going to win because not only that he's fighting a, a retired basketball player, but obviously with Nate Robinson, he only had, like, what, six months to train? So it's not as enough to compare to somebody like Jake Paul who has trained for boxing in three years so that experience is gonna you know be a huge difference and obviously in that fight Nate Robinson looked very very sloppy like there was no technique he kept his chin up high in the air where he's left too exposed to being counter shot and he's just like charging in after him like like some sort of bull and in the second round you already saw it he got knocked out flat and um he lost and we all knew that Jake Paul was gonna win now with uh, the NBA, NHL, NFL, they've done a great job keeping their players' personnel safe from the pandemic. What grade would you give the UFC in handling this situation? The UFC was the very first uh, sports organization to have like revive its like you know like just pretty much reviving sports in general during the pandemic and. Since they were the, actually the first ones to uh, revive the sports, I give an A plus, like or like maybe like five stars to like the UFC because not only that 
they managed to bring the sports back into like live like sports network or pay-per-views or streaming networks overall they just did a pretty good job and you have they did a pretty good job of like not making sure that their fighters are safe they don't get covid and even though throughout this year they some of the fighters had covid but the majority of fighters throughout that year they got tested negative and they were able to keep their job get paid and provide for the family and just do what they love because if you think about it, there's more contact like you're not you're six, you're not six feet apart you're yeah. like breathing on one on top of each other so it's pretty amazing how they were able to keep all all the fighters safe yeah and like cause, I mean like I say if you get tested negative you of course you're you know physically and mentally healthy enough to compete whether you are you know, actually fighting with somebody in the cage, and you're not doing that six feet social distancing rule, you know, because it's MMA, you know, you have to. Yeah, you're, do... you're basically breathing on each other. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like after the fight, they got COVID after. So, you know, pretty much they were able to get out of it healthy and paid at the end. So uh, just recently, we had Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morano. We had... Panny Kianzad defeat Cesaro Eubanks. And Duran Wynn defeated Antonio Arroyo. And Talia Santos defeated Jillian Robertson. And we had Tafan Nukawiki defeat Jamie Pickett. I apologize, Tafan, if I said your name wrong, if you're watching. Uh, Jimmy Flick defeated Cody Jordan. Christos Geogos defeated Carlton Minus. Can you recap those fights for me? Well, to be quite honest, I haven't watched like the like those fighters because those some of those fighters I don't really know because um, I was watching some of the fights with my friend Caitlin on Zoom because we were streaming and watching the fights together through there, and uh, we pretty much like skipped some of the fights that some of the fighters that we don't know. And we only watched the fights to the fighters that we actually know. Just like the one you mentioned with Anthony Pettis. We watched that together. And obviously, Anthony Pettis got the uh, huge decision win over Alex Morono. But that was also his last fight in the UFC. And now, since he parted ways with the UFC, he is now a free agent himself. How does that work, free agency? Is it like um, like a group uh, mostly fighters, whenever they go to free agency, they will just either try to find like another MMA company that they will fight for like, you know, the title or get paid more or just benefiting themselves or they'll just pretty much work on it by themselves and their team. Cause like free agency is not like a huge group type of thing. It's mostly fighters just doing like their own like solo work and trying to provide and benefit themselves in the future and it mostly happens when either fighters are not getting paid enough in the UFC or they get cut by the UFC or they just want to move on to like a different MMA organization just to get that title from there or provide like a whole new history or legacy for themselves so is it kind of like with like sponsors um yes uh, actually there's a little bit of that that gets involved with some of the fighters because in the UFC, you only get sponsored by Reebok. But, I mean, Reebok's uh, deal with UFC is going to end next year. And then the new company, Venom, uh, which is another MMA like apparel like kind of company, 
they're going to be uh, working on a deal with the UFC soon. So now, not only that Venom will be you know, working with the UFC in the future now, in the beginning of 2021, but fighters will also get paid a lot more. They will have better apparel and gear to represent the company that they work with. And I'm excited to see that because I own, I also own a couple of Venom gear myself, like boxing gloves, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Because like with NASCAR, you like you have like Hendrick Motorsports, you have Joe Gibbs Racing. So could it could it like a UFC team be like, um, how do you, how would I say it? Uh, let's say uh, you and I owned a team. Yeah. You could have like Conor McGregor, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Is that how it would work or? Um, no, not really because like when you get sponsored in MMA, it's just mostly the company that like pays you to like represent like the company. So like, because back then in the UFC, you would see fighters like having like, you know, printed like brand or logos on their shorts representing the companies that they're sponsored with, including like banners. But that's when, like, more than a few years later, that's when the UFC decided to cut all of those, like, many sponsorships and just only get sponsored by Reebok throughout the next few years. And obviously, not a lot of people were happy about that, and some people were happy about that because um, it was pretty much, like, um, a neutral thing with all the fans. Like, some, like I said, some fans loved it, some of them didn't, and... Um, Whenever, like, the fighters got sponsored by Reebok, sometimes they'll get paid very well. Sometimes they, they get a little bit underpaid. But you have to realize that not only that UFC is being, you know, sponsored by Reebok and getting some of the money from them, but the reason why that some fighters are getting underpaid is because the money also goes to the company, too. Like, you know, for the crew, for the people that are working there. So it's not just the fighters. It, it's everybody that's involved with the UFC as well. So... That's why you kind of see some underpayments here and there. And that's why some fighters throughout the past few years have been complaining about them not getting paid well and they you know, decide to leave the UFC. Do you feel like the UFC is trending in this country? Because it seems like it's advertised more. More people are watching. Would you say that's the case right now? That it's, being, it's on the top right now out of competitive sports? Dana White once said that during, ever since uh, he brought back the UFC during the midst of the pandemic... His, the whole uh, just pretty much all of everything that's happened with the UFC and that company by itself it has been skyrocketing ever since so like sales at the UFC store like merchandise apparel like accessories anything those sales have went up pay-per-view buys streaming services the viewership has went up as well and pretty much the marketing itself it just has skyrocketed everywhere and normally people, not that many people have watched UFC, but it's still the most popular sport in the world. But during the pandemic, now people everywhere globally have been watching the UFC, like in China, Japan, South Korea, North Korea, uh, Abu Dhabi, any country that you can name of, all of them have watched UFC. And now UFC has gotten a lot more popular ever since because of the, pen, because of the pandemic and how they were providing content for the people who are just staying at home and relaxing. I've noticed more more people are getting into the UFC. They love watching it. They people are betting, making money. Mm-hmm. Do you think it could be because of personalities like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Nate Robinson, all these people that we we know want to get into the fights? Well, I mean, like if you have people like you know Conor McGregor, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, pretty much any fighters that have the ability to influence the majority of fans and audiences to watch them fight. 
that would be really good for the business because not only that that kind of stuff attracts fight fans but most times you want to see the fighters like see how well they do in the ring the other times you want to see like you know them getting beat up because like for example uh logan and jake paul majority of people don't like uh jake paul and majority of people like logan paul so it's kind of like a huge like one-sided difference but there will be some fans that will like jake paul and will dislike logan paul but since logan and jake are boxers um and since they're professionally boxing at this point you can kind of see the uh, influence that they have had over the boxing community because not only that they're youtubers and they have like high amount of following but it's also brought more attention to boxing than ever was before because throughout the era of the ufc's like, gaining its popularity and like also just how conor gregor helped gain that popularity boxing was nearly dead at this point and most people didn't want to watch boxing anymore because it was so boring the marketing sucked and they never like had a good like way of promoting their fights because their fights would the way they promote it is just so flat out boring and they only promote fighters who are like the main event they don't promote the people who are fighting on the undercard so they waste all their money and their energy on just the fighters who are fighting on the main event and that's why you see like a lot of boxers like Floyd Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez they get paid a lot more while other boxers they don't get paid as much but I mean they still get paid decently well but still it's not enough for them Speaking of Conor McGregor, didn't he say he was retiring? Um, no, he is not retiring, and obviously most people already knew that it's more like a PR stunt, but he is going to be fighting again on January, and he will be having a rematch with Dustin Poirier, because during Conor McGregor's like early rise to UFC, he fought Dustin Poirier the first time, and he knocked him out in the first round, which was a very easy, like, lopsided win for him, so now in the rematch... Who knows what's going to happen because Dustin Poirier has evolved a lot throughout these years. So the win could go either or. But if I had to choose, I am definitely going for Conor McGregor. Just because I still think he has the sk enough skills and that fight IQ just to eliminate Dustin Poirier. I mean, sure, Dustin Poirier is tough. His boxing has improved. He has a really good knockout power. But like, still, I think that Conor McGregor is still smart enough to outlast him or outwork Dustin Poirier in the second fight or the rematch pretty much what was your favorite fight in 2020 my fa my favorite fight in 2020 was Israel Adesanya against Paul Costa and the reason why is because those two when they fought each other they were undefeated and me and my friend Caitlin were watching that fight on zoom together so the both of us were really hyped up to see it and as much as I wanted that fight to go out in all around like all like all-out war in five rounds like all five rounds that fight uh actually like ended in the second round because uh, israel adesanya uh knocked down paul casa with a counter shot and then he uh, finished him right there and here and there as much as i wanted that fight to go all five rounds but still i i was really happy with the results and i was still think that's a good fight for me to watch and just because the uh, promotion, the marketing that went to those two fighters, it was the biggest promotion that the UFC could have ever pulled in like the organization yet. But there's a lot of good fight of the year candidates for 2020, but I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that in a little bit because right now I'm trying to think of like, what fight like, appealed to me throughout this whole 
year so far? So I think the fight I was t- uh, talking about with uh, Coven- Colby Covington was, uh, I think he, it was yeah it was September, September nineteenth in Las Vegas against Woodley. Mm-hmm. I think that was the fight, and then he had the uh, he had the interview on television with, with Kamar Usman. Yes. So I'm not trying to get into politics, but do you think people hate Covington because he's outspoken? Well, I mean, like, if you've watched Kobe Covington back then, like I have, Kobe Covington back then, like, from his UFC debut and then his, like, slow rise to, like, you know, his popularity, Kobe Covington was a really nice guy. He was humble. He wasn't talking to trash. He respected every opponent that he's ever faced, and he never said any mean things over social media or call him out on TV like that. He never did that, but once... He actually started to become a contender himself, and he started getting more popular. That's when he decided to adopt this little WWE kind of personality, where he's talking trash constantly, making these social media posts online, making fun of that one fighter. Pretty much everything you have known about Kobe comes in up today about him being very mean and stuff. That's when he started becoming that person. I mean, I don't know why he adopted it to this WWE personality, but. I kind of lost all respect for him because I just don't like it when people try too hard when they're tr- like talking trash to other opponents because I'd rather just have them like, you know, just be themselves. But yeah, Colby Covington, he's just, he just puts on this ego that will, you know, get people to watch. And yes, business-wise, it works because you got some people who want to watch him fight and want to watch him lose. And other times you want to, ha- there are people who, you know, support him, like diehard fans will want to watch him win again, like, just, like, every single time. And, obviously, since he won against Woodley, he's trying to make, like, this redemption of trying to get back to Kamar Usman and try to build himself back up as his, like, you know, people's champion, in a way. How do you think he would match up against McGregor? Um, with the fact that Kobe Covington is a natural 170-pounder, and, um, I mean, even though Conor McGregor naturally weighs 170 pounds, but I think that the wrestling is a bit different because Conor McGregor is not that much of a wrestler. He only uses his wrestling to defend, like, you know, wrestlers and stopping it from takedowns and that's it. But Kobe Covington, he likes to smother people to, like, you know, kind of like suffocate them in a way and just, like, use pure dominance over them. So if I wanted Conor McGregor to win against Kobe Covington... He just needs to avoid his wrestling and just use counter shots and like make sure that he gets knocked down for sure like Kamaru Usman did with Kobe Covington. But obviously, you know, if Kobe Covington wants to win against McGregor, then he's just going to have to smother him with his wrestling. You actually make up make a good point. You brought up his personality. How important for like a following? How important is it for these fighters to have like a brand? It depends on like what kind of brand you want to build yourself as, because like obviously you know that Conor McGregor he has his brand of like like uh, proper twelve whiskey and like uh, all many other things, including like his own like training regimen called the Fast Program. I think that's what it's called. I don't know, but yeah, for fighters who like to build those kind of brands themselves, it mostly depends on the popularity and how if they actually want to commit building a brand to themselves, because there will be. Some fighters out there that kind of, like, you know, build their own clothing brands or they make their own company, like a small company. Not, not like a big company that's like UFC, but a small enough company where it's like their own 
thing and they get to do whatever they want on the side as like a hobby I guess that's what I <clears throat> that's what I know so far so Mayweather is going to fight Paul as we know Love but him. I want to go back three years what did McGregor do wrong against Mayweather um he kind of got overly off- he got too offensive with Floyd Mayweather Mayweather I mean, sure, like, Conor McGregor's plan was to overwhelm McGregor with, like, so many offensive, like, attacks and everything. But, obviously, you know, with the fact that Floyd Mayweather is a very, like, very huge defensive fighter and he has a very high fight IQ in boxing, including that he has a very good stamina because boxers have longer stamina than MMA fighters. Um, What Mayweather did was that he just waited for Conor McGregor to gas himself out. And then later on in the rounds, that's when... Floyd Mayweather, you know, defeated Conor McGregor with those series of punches, and that's when the referee, you know, just stopped it right there. What's the difference between UFC fighting compared to boxing? Well, obviously, it's the different skill sets, because, you know, obviously, in MMA, you can punch, kick, wrestle, wrestle with somebody, submit them any way you want. But in boxing, you just only punch. That's it. But the thing about... Actually, there's a huge difference for UFC and MMA. I mean, not MMA, boxing. So with UFC, um, people are less likely to die and they rather get injured in those fights. While in boxing, people actually die after the night of the fight because um, we've had like three or four boxers that died of brain injury after the night of the fight. And And I actually watched one of the fights that happened, so... There was this boxer named Patrick Day, undefeated, like high, very high, like level prospect. People were about to like you know gain his watchman, have his popularity like, rise up into the boxing community. But during his one of his title fights, later in the rounds, he got knocked down so bad because um, if you watch the fight, he kept getting punched in the head repeatedly so hard, and no matter how much he was still standing and refusing to go down. He kept getting hit very hard against the head. And after that one like lucky punch that the opponent landed on Patrick Day, Patrick Day just fell down on the ground, slammed his head on the canvas, and then literally after the night of the event was over, a few hours later, he was transported to the hospital, and then as soon as he got to the hospital, he died on the scene. That sucks. So we're going to take a break from professional... But I want to get into your life. You you do some UFC, right? Um, yeah, not, 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 not professionally, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I train in MMA and I do it as like a hobby because I've been you know following martial arts my entire life and it's one of the things I love to like watch and actually like you know do in my life because for for how yeah um, I've been training MMA for three and a half years, but. Um, Obviously, this year with COVID-19, I haven't been going back to the gym, so it, it sucks on my part. So, you mentioned that people do get hurt. Is there a technique to avoid giving someone an injury? Um, Not a technique, but it's more like a way of not getting hurt as much, because obviously, like, if you're fighting in MMA or boxing, whether it be those two, if you want to avoid, like, long-term brain injuries or or potentially facing like death after the night of the fight, depending on how injured you get. Um, you just need good head movement. You just need to fight smart. You need to be more defensive. And you can't just rely on thinking that you're the more tougher guy and thinking that you will still stand no matter how many punches you take in the face. Because, like, for example, like 
if you watch the Rocky movies, you only see that in Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa suffers a brain injury because of Ivan Drago repeatedly punched his head so hard in the fourth movie, and then which caused him to you know retire early, and later on in the Creed movies by Michael B. Jordan, that's when you see that that brain injury transformed into a brain cancer. Yeah, because and you mentioned that we we've. We've seen in hockey fights that you have these guys that think they're so tough, and then next thing you know, they get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, of all the injuries, like, in hockey or football or, or basketball or anything like that, and I'm just saying in my opinion, and I'm not like saying that this should apply to everybody else's opinion, but I think the worst injuries that you could ever face possible in any sport is uh, football. Because not only are you constantly clashing heads, like headbutting somebody, with, especially when you're wearing a football helmet, regardless. Even if you're wearing a football helmet, if you're clashing somebody's head, like constantly headbutting them in that like whole entire event of football, that's a bigger brain injury than somebody oh, yeah, punching sure. you in the face or punching you in the head, you know? For sure. For sure. Right, James? Because mm-hmm. when, especially in hockey, if you're going to fight, you should know how to fight, so... How important is it to have experience when it comes to UFC fighting? If you want to become a UFC fighter and if you want to get into the UFC, you need to build a good resume. Like you need to build like a decent record. Whether you, like, because like sometimes like fighters, if they want to be in the UFC, like I said, they need to build that resume. So not only they need to, they need to have years of training MMA and get that experience of knowing how to fight. But they also need to build like the experience of fighting in the ring. It's like like how many opponents? Because sometimes um, you need to have at least like maybe three or four fights to build that professional like, record. If you want to start somewhere in any MMA organization, so for example, like, if I wanted to uh, fight in the UFC, and if the UFC were to say that like I need to have at least four fights if I want to sign up, so if I want to go to UFC, I need to have at least four fights and majority of those four fights needs to have wins because if I lose majority of those four fights by losses then I won't get signed up but if I do win majority of those four first four fights in my professional career then I'll get signed up so let's just say that if I win all four fights by KO I'm undefeated so far in my early career and the UFC sees that I you know fulfilled that promise then I could potentially you know sign up to UFC and it also depends on Dana White because you mostly have to talk to Dana White if you want to sign up to UFC. But um, other MMA organizations still be a little bit different about how they sign you up. So every everybody's different. It's not just that same guarantee factor that you'll sign up in MMA. It also depends on how the organization wants you to go or how they want you to build up that kind of resume. What does Dana White look for in his fighters? He wants to see like high-level potential. Like He wants to see that they can fight very well. He wants to like see that they have like these like like next superstar kind of level within them, and overall they just want to see. He just wants to see the fighters that they can like entertain the crowd, fight very well, and just do whatever they can to uh, make the UFC like more popular and gain like more recognition. So recently, we just had Jake Paul. Yes. Versus Nate Robertson. Yes. Can you recap that match for me? As I said earlier, um, as I said earlier to you in the beginning, 
Uh, first round, Nate Robinson, he kept trying to charge in Jake Paul. Obviously, that never worked. And with the fact that Nate Robinson still doesn't know how to properly box, you can see that the skill and technique level is like, you know, like a huge gap between him and Jake Paul. And obviously, Jake Paul, he uh, he's obviously making sure that he doesn't get hit by Nate Robinson, despite the fact that he doesn't know how to box. He still needs to be careful, which I admire, because you need to be careful with every opponent you fight, because you don't know what kind of stuff you're going to bring. So in the first round, um, it was a bit slow, and uh, they mostly did clinches, because like, Nate Robinson kept trying to charge Jake Paul, and Jake Paul never got to like, actually show his skills that much, so... And then, like, later, at the end of the first round, well, like, 10 seconds in, Jake Paul punches Nate Robinson down, first knockdown of the fight. Nate Robinson is, like, pretty dizzy, and then after the 10 seconds up, they go to their corners. Second round, that's when things get interesting. So, uh, um, Nate Robinson, like I said, he uh, kept doing the same thing over and over again, charging in, hoping that he would knock out Jake Paul with one punch, even though that's not going to work. Um, and then, like, I think round... A minute in or so, that's when Jake Paul knocks down uh, Nate Robinson. Like he knocked him down the first time, the referee gave him the uh, obvious, the usual ten count. Once Nate Robinson got up again, Jake Paul knocked him down again with a huge haymaker, knocked him down flat on the ground, and that's it. Jake Paul won the second round via KO, and that's it. He just won like that. So how did the Pauls get into the UFC? Because I I knew of them as YouTube personalities. I knew something happened on YouTube where people hated. Who was the so something happened with one of them? Uh, KSI called out Jake and Logan Paul to box him in the next boxing match, and then obviously that fight happened. But the thing is, KSI wanted to fight Jake Paul first and then Logan, but since Jake Paul kind of ducked him a little bit. Um, it was they made a deal where, you know, since KSI is the older brother, he would fight Logan Paul, which is he's the older brother as well, and then Jake Paul would fight KSI's little brother Deji, and then after that, then those two had their fights. So, in their fights, Jake Paul won against Deji via fifth round TKO, and then in KSI's fight with Logan Paul, it went to a split decision. I mean, not split decision, majority draw. And then a couple years after, that's when you know about the KSI vs. Logan Paul 2 rematch. And in the rematch, obviously, um, we all know that KSI won because he won by a split decision. And then after that, that's when uh, Jake Paul wanted to actually fight KSI. But not just yet because uh, he's trying to build up like a resume into his like boxing career and stuff. But... Yeah, Jake Paul after the KSI vs. Logan Paul rematch. Jake Paul fought uh, KSI's best friend, a Nissan Gib. And after that, that's when you that's when he fought Nate Robinson, which you already know. So, Where do you see the Pauls going moving forward in UFC? Um, actually, they wanted to go into UFC, but Dana White denied that offer. Because like, cause Dana White thought, and I don't, I'm not sure if I remember this correctly, but word by word. But Dana White said that one, he would not allow social media influencers to fight in the UFC just because it kind of looks bad. And um, second of all, uh, when Dana White recently got interviewed and he got brought up with Logan Paul fighting against Mayweather, Dana White said that 
like um, in a joking way, didn't he get beat up by this video game kid in England? So yeah, that it comes to show that Dana White's not gonna let Jake or Logan Paul sign on to the UFC. So he'd rather have them stick to their boxing because um, you know I guess it just suits them more better. I guess. So you mentioned that Mayweather fight. Can you give us a preview of it? And uh, then we'll go more into twenty twenty one. Um, yeah, so Floyd Mayweather, um, he's gonna be fighting against Logan Paul in February in February twenty twenty one. We don't know the exact date yet, but uh the thing about this matchup is that it's not a professional fight, it's more of an exhibition. So whoever wins, whoever loses in that fight, it's not gonna matter. But but most fans are still gonna consider that as like a huge fan and it's gonna matter either way because let's just say that if Logan Paul manages to win against the, one of the most greatest boxers of all time, if he wins against Floyd Mayweather, then Floyd Mayweather will technically suffer his first loss. Because, oh yeah, that's right. Because like, no matter how much his like, no matter how much of his fifteen zero record is still going to be intact and not have that one loss affect his record, it's it's still considered a loss yeah. because like, whether it is an exhibition match or professional match one of the fighters is going to win or lose either way so it's not going to matter and I don't know why people say that it doesn't matter when it, in fact it does because because like when there's an exhibition match like if you win or lose it, it still matters so and with the thing is Logan Paul he and is, if you're Mayweather I don't think you want to lose to a, a social media influencer yeah because then that's when because if Logan Paul wins against Mayweather then not only that, it'll be one of the biggest upset in the world that Conor McGregor, that not even Conor McGregor can pull, but it'll just be one of the most hilarious yet most exciting things that people will ever witness. Because not only that, kids on the internet will make fun of like you know Floyd Mayweather as like a, as many kids on the internet do these days, but people will not stop talking about how Floyd Mayweather will like how Floyd Mayweather lost. Against a social media influencer, or it could be a podcast topic for me for for days, weeks. Yeah, but um, I mean, I because Floyd's one of the best fighters in the game. Yeah, but we'll we'll definitely talk about that in the next podcast or some of that in the future. If that happens, yeah, if that happens, (laughs) let's not attack Floyd just yet. Yeah, but I'm saying that um, I'm just saying that we're still going to talk about that either way, whether he wins or loses or not. But what's surprising is that. This is Floyd Mayweather's like tallest opponent he's ever fought yet because Logan Paul is six feet two inches tall. Floyd Mayweather he's five foot eight, so there is a huge height disadvantage. Um, you know Floyd Mayweather because Floyd Mayweather has never fought anybody that tall in his life, and the last person who he fought that was tall was I think Marcos Maidana, and Marcos Maidana was five feet ten inches tall. So even though that two height. Like two inch height difference is not that much of a big deal, but it's still that was like his last tallest opponent he fought. So knowing the fact that Floyd Mayweather's coming into his fight fighting a guy who is six feet two inches tall, six inches taller than him, has the longer reach advantage, and also fifty pounds more heavier than him, there's a guarantee factor that if Logan Paul lands a good punch on Floyd Mayweather, that power is not gonna absorb on him very well because Floyd is small, and he's 43 years old, so he's not as young as fast as he used to be, so who knows what, how much of his chin is going to hold up, because if he gets clocked by Logan's punch like that hard, and he gets stunned or knocked out, it's not going to process him very well, because 
Floyd Mayweather really gets hit, and you know that he's a very defensive fighter. So, because if you see all of his 50 fights, Floyd Mayweather really walks out of his fights getting injured. He never gets cuts. He never gets bruised. He never gets anything. So, with him, like, possibly potentially, like, facing that kind of, like, outcome, who knows how he's going to, like, handle all of that kind of thing under, like, one, like, fight, because... Like I said before, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to process that very well. So you mentioned power. Yes. What's more? What's what's important? Is it the strength? Is it the weight? Is it the height? Well, for me, like when it comes to fighting, I always say to my friends that speed and stamina is the most important thing, because if you're faster than your opponent and if you can last longer than your opponent, then you can actually slowly break them down, or you can you know actually maybe knock them out a lot more than they ha- than they usually, you can usually think. So, uh, yeah, like I said, stamina and speed is the most important thing because I find speed more important than strength because if you can hit your opponent first before they can hit you first, then that's a, then that's a win-win like factor that you're going to win this fight and like outlasting it very long because if you're a big fighter and if you have a very huge raw knockout power but at the same time, your stamina sucks and your speed is extremely slow, you're not going to re- last very long in a fight. You're going to get exhausted and you are just want, you just might, want, might as well have to give up at this point. So if you're Floyd Mayweather, how would you go into this fight and, pre- and preparing for it? If I was Floyd Mayweather, I would have to go into this fight by getting on the inside of Logan Paul because... If he stays on the outside, Logan Paul is just going to keep on jabbing him with that long reach because um, Floyd Mayweather's reach is 70 inches, I believe, 70, 72. Wait, no, yes, yeah, 72 inches. While Logan Paul, he is 76 inches. So he has that 4-inch reach advantage of touching Floyd Mayweather from the distance. So if he actually really wants to win this fight against Logan Paul, he just needs to get on the inside. He needs to try to like knock him out, which I highly doubt that's possible because... Because obviously, like I said, he's very tall, and it's it's hard to touch somebody who is taller than you. But um, either try to knock him out or on the inside, or just try to use his like fight IQ to like you know just like you know go in and out, in and out, and be more evasive in a way. That's interesting because I know when you look at hockey, you look at guys that I'm not sure how to say it, but you look at guys that they think they're tough, they have the power to hit. But they can't. They can't seem to fight. So why is there, why is there issues when people think they could fight but they can't? Cause it's that. It's, you think it's an ego problem? Yeah, or? I was gonna bring that up. That it's more of an ego thing. Cause like, when people think that they are tough, but when in reality they, they if they never fought before, or they if they never taken a punch before, they want to claim themselves that they are tough. Just because you've never been hit before doesn't mean that you're possibly the most toughest person in the world. And that's why when you said about hockey players not knowing how to fight, obviously they've never been in a fight. They never knew how to properly train, how to, how to fight, how to like properly throw a punch or whatever. So that's why you mostly see hockey fights whenever it breaks out to fighting like that. Most of the fights that happen in hockey, like it's just very, very sloppy, really. Because even in the UFC, you have guys that do all this talking, and then next thing you know, they get knocked out. Yes, and like I said, it's an ego thing. Like if they let their ego and their cockiness play on much of a factor to them, and not focusing on the training and on what their opponent's going to do to them, 
then that will be their huge that will be their huge downfall. Just like um, and here's actually a good example: Kobe Covington. In his first fight with Kamar Usman, throughout the whole entire week, he's been tr- talking trash nonstop to Kamar Usman. While Kamar Usman, he kind of stayed in his lane a little bit. He tried not to talk that much trash, but at the same time, just a little bit here and there. But um, in their fight, like during like during the weigh-ins leading up to the fight night, like I said, Kobe Covington kept on talking trash, mm-hmm. and then later on when they actually fought. That's when Kobe Covington had a huge downfall of getting knocked down by Kamar Usman and losing that fight against him and not gaining that title for him. So that's that's an example. So if there's a dream fight that you would want to see, whether it's McGregor versus Covington, Mayweather versus Mike Tyson, Logan Paul versus uh, <coughs> Jake Paul, who would you want to see go at it the most? Oh my god, there's a lot of good fights that are happening because, like, me and my friend Mark have always discussed, like, what is our dream fight, but at the same time, we never, we don't know whether that fight will actually come into intuition because obviously it's a dream fight. You don't know if that'll actually happen one day. So, um, if I had to choose, I guess I would say uh, Conor McGregor versus Darren Till. And if you don't know about Darren Till, Darren Till is a very popular uh, British fighter coming all the way from Liverpool. And this guy, he is a very good striker. He knows how to knock out people. And he is very, very tough also. And sure, even though like there might be a huge difference in like some skill or assets between Conor McGregor and Darren Till, but it's a fight that I've been wanting to see for like a very long time that I've been wanting to dream of. Because um, Darren Till... He used to be a welterweight fighter, so he used to weigh 170. But now, since he cannot make that 170 pound limit anymore, you know, now the fact that he like you know he's slowly getting older, as like many fighters do, since he's not as young, and since he cannot since he cannot make the 170 pound limit, now he fights at middleweight. So that's that's a huge weight difference between Conor McGregor and Darren Till. So knowing the fact that Darren Till is now fighting at middleweight, I don't think that fight's gonna happen. But I want to believe that it will come down to that one day, but realistically speaking, I don't, I don't think it will happen. So January 16th, 2021, we're going to have Max Holloway versus Calvin Qatar. Cater. Cater. Juliana Pena versus Sarah Mc, McMahon. Santiago. Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio versus. Legion Leon. Legion Leon. And then January 20th, 2021, we're going to have Leon Edwards versus Hamza Siamakov. Hamza Shemayev. Hamza Shemayev. Mm-hmm. And then January 23rd, we're going to have Dustin Poirier. Versus Conor McGregor, too. Versus Conor McGregor. Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Rivas. Khalil Rontree versus Marcin Prakiano. And Jessica Ive versus Joanne Cowderwood. Can you preview those fights for me as we start 2021? Um, can you actually, like, um, can you, so, yeah. Um, some of the fighters, like, I don't know on that card, but I will go over to the ones that I do know. Um, in case I forget one of the fighters, uh, rem- uh, look, uh, please look back at the list and, like, remind me so that I can kind of give you, like, my insight from what I've known from my experience so far. But yeah, starting with the main event, Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. Max Holloway, he just came off of a very, very controversial split decision loss against 
Alexander Volkanovsky. And that was his rematch of gaining his title back for the featherweight belt. And to be honest, I thought Max Holloway won the rematch. And I don't know why the, the judges gave that decision to Alexander Volkanovsky because Max Holloway did... And they both have good records too, 21-6 and 22-4. and So it should be a good one. Yeah, but like, like I said, I thought Max Holloway won the rematch against Alexander Volkanovsky back then. Uh, like this year, but I don't know why that one judge gave the win to Volkanovski, which is I think is a load of BS. But because the thing is, like, in because like Max Holloway when he was fighting against Alexander Volkanovski, he won three rounds, and Volkanovski won two. So I don't know how they saw that as a like a lopsided win for Volkanovski. Like it makes no sense. But whatever, it it is what it is. But so yeah, this fight between Holloway and Cater, it's going to be pretty interesting because Max Holloway, he is as tough as they come. And Calvin Cater, he is a very, very accurate striker. So who knows what's going to happen because I want Max Holloway to win. But if Calvin Cater wants to win, then he needs to aggressively, you know, try to put away Max Holloway. Because if Max Holloway is not careful with Calvin Cater's aggressive yet accurate striking, then that's just going to cost him the fight. But if I had to choose, like I said... I choose Max Holloway just because I want him to get back into the winning column and I want him to redeem himself. Because I, because he's lost two times already and I don't want him to have suffer a third loss. And then the next one we got is the Leon Edwards versus Hamzat. Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat Shemaev, um, he is a very, very intimidating guy. Six, six feet two inches tall. A guy who is like fighting out of Sweden, yet he, even though he's a Russian guy, I think, because he has a Russian accent and stuff. So I'm assuming that he's, you know, probably born and raised in Sweden, but his parents were Russian, I guess. I don't know, but but uh, yeah, he's undefeated, eight and zero, and he has a very huge, wicked one punch knockout power that can literally put out anybody. And he has a really good wrestling, just like Khabib, Nurmagomedov, or Colby Covington. He could literally smother anybody if he wanted to. But Leon Edwards, he's no slouch himself. And uh, after finally getting a fight, after not being active for nearly almost a couple years, he's going to fight an undefeated prospect like, you know, Hamza Shemaya. And not only that, he's also def- defending his ranking spot as well. So, I don't know. This is a tough fight because both Hamza and Leon are very, very tough guys. And, like, they have the skills necessary to end it either way. So... I don't know, like, this is very hard to decide, but I'm just saying realistically, if I had to choose, I'm, I'm just assuming that Hamzat's gonna win this fight, just because, after seeing his wrestling being a lot more, like, powerful than Leon's wrestling, or, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think he might get that done, and his striking, like, he has a very huge one-punch knockout power, and he knows how to strike as well, it's not like he doesn't know how to strike, but he knows how to, and I think... For Leon, if he wants to win, he just needs to fight smart and fight carefully like he always does in his last few fights. Where do you see McGregor versus Poirier going? Knowing the fact that Dustin Poirier has evolved over these years and he's a lot more tougher now than he was like back then when he first fought McGregor, I don't think that this fight is going to be like a first-round knockout, of course, because you know they're both very, very tough. So... I got McGregor, and I see this fight going to a second or a third round TKO. That's it. 
not bad. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's McGregor's first fight, and and since when? Uh, twenty twenty. No, because like he fought, he fought this year, but it was like yeah. But I feel like it's been a while. Uh, he fought the beginning of twenty twenty, and this is when like you know pre COVID and everybody was still able to go see the sports like live in attendance and stuff, and that's when the crowd was still there before they you know shut down sports and you know because of COVID and like not continue on like and also yeah continue on with the UFC without the crowd, so that's before when the pandemic started. So we mentioned you mentioned this in the beginning. How important is it to have the fans to watch the pre the pre events before the main guy? Because it seems like, you know, I know from my, my experience, my main focus was to watch McGregor versus Mayweather. I didn't even care about the the prior events. But how important is it for the UFC, Dana White, to get more people to watch the main, the prior events before the main one, the prelims or the undercards. It's uh, it's important to Dana White because not only that he actually knows how to fill those cards with like potential fighters that have the ability to like you know be very popular and and showing very good fights from them. It's just that he knows how to market them very well. But unlike boxing, every time you see a prelim card or an undercard of like boxers fighting on that same event, the bo- like the promoters who uh, or the marketing for boxers in the boxing community it sucks it's not that good because the way they promote those kind of fighters under those cards like they just kind of undermine them in a way and they only focus the promotion on the top fighters like who are fighting on the co-main event or the main event that's it and they get paid more and obviously like i said before they get paid more and while the fighters on the prelims or the undercard they they get down they get underpaid a little bit but i mean they still get paid decently well in a way i don't know how much the prelim fighters on the or boxers get paid on that kind of event but that's what i know so far and let's let's do some betting for those fights that we just mentioned who would you who would you choose if you had to bet uh for which fight uh the three we mentioned holloway versus Qatar, edwards versus hamza hamza and Poirier versus McGregor because I'm sure some of my viewers are going to bet. Um, normally I don't like to bet because I'm not a huge risk taker, and I would never bet in my life. I mean, not unless if I'm really, really confident enough that think that that fighter will win, I would definitely put my money on it. But so far, I've never bet just yet. But I will think about that in the future, just because if I want to see if I actually do win something. But anyways, um. I'm just saying, like, from my point of view, if I had to, you know, tell somebody to, like, who bet on who on the next upcoming UFC fights, I would bet on Holloway, Hamza, and McGregor. Just because, from my experience of watching those guys fight, um, I feel like they have the potential to actually, you know, get the win, whether it's a win, whether it's a decision, whether it's by submission. I'm confident enough that they'll get the win, but who knows? MMA is so predictable nowadays because you can't tell like, who's going to win or not because it's not one-sided anymore because like, with so many fighters coming in with very huge skill sets and like techniques and fight IQs, anything can happen, you know? So, I mean, like I wouldn't, rest, I wouldn't risk betting my money on the, on the fighters I said before, Holloway, Hamza, and McGregor. 
But, I mean, it's your choice if you want to. And, like, if you have a feeling that you want to bet on the opposite, go ahead. Interesting. This actually looks like an interesting fight. March 6, 2021. It's on ESPN pay-per-view. Amanda Nunez versus Megan Anderson. Oh, no, this is going to be very interesting. And this is a fight that I've been always wanting to see in the women's division for a very, very long time. Because um, Amanda Nunes, two-way division champion, first ever woman to hold two belts simultaneously, and the first woman to ever defend both belts simultaneously. Megan Anderson, like, sure, she's had her tough loss here and there, but she's still a very good fighter. Because not only that, she's a very tough girl, but this girl is six feet tall. And I've never seen a girl in MMA compete who is six feet tall. So not only is this Amanda Nunes, like, very first opponent who was, like, Literally much taller than her, who was at least six feet tall. I don't know how she's going to handle that because um, normally Amanda Nunes will fight somebody who's like shorter than her or who are, or who are at least the same height as her. So this is going to be pretty interesting. But knowing the fact that Amanda Nunes has like twenty plus more fights than Megan than Megan Anderson has, or Megan Anderson the way that she wants to pronounce it. Um, for Megan Anderson or Amanda Nunes, I think that Amanda Nunes will win this fight just because, like I said, she has 20-plus more fights experience than her, and she knows a lot more of a fight IQ, skill assets, whatever, than Megan Anderson. And Megan Anderson, she has, like, what, nine wins, four losses? So that huge experience gap is, like, very, very huge between both her and, and Amanda Nunes. So if a young kid was watching UFC fighting, and decided to get into it. <clears throat> what advice would you give them as an MMA, MMA fighter yourself? Well, I wouldn't say myself as an MMA fighter. I'm more just like practitioner, and I just uh, I'm just a fan of it. Because um, if you know about me, I started watching UFC in 2009, and the reason how I got into UFC is what back then I watched WWE, and when I heard that Brock Lesnar was entering MMA. I didn't know what that was at the time because I only knew boxing and WWE. <clears throat> but when I heard that Brock Lesnar was entering U- UFC and I watched him on his UFC debut to his championship fight, that's when I fell in love with it because um, knowing the fact that MMA is a lot more better to watch than boxing and WWE combined, that's what made me fall in love with that sport mm-hmm. just because of Brock Lesnar signing up with the UFC and giving me that exposure to the UFC because it's not only that Brock Lesnar was very popular in the U- uh, WWE at that time when he signed up to the UFC a lot of the WWE fans got drawn into his debut in MMA and that's why it got him so popular in the UFC and also that's how it kind of skyrocketed the UFC like way back then at the time now most of these fights are pay-per-view ESPN with the WWE kind of on the downfall as, like, trending, do you see the UFC going on a national scale, like being on NBC, ABC, or do they rely more on their income for pay-per-view? Um, well, Dana White likes to do both, and he actually just signed up a deal with ABC, so now you get to see UFC fights on the ABC network. And also, I forgot to mention earlier, though, about me giving advice to a kid who watches a fight. I was just going to say that, like, if you want to become a fighter yourself, and if you want to, or if you don't want to become a fighter yourself, and you just rather train MMA as a hobby, 
go for it. But if you really want to become a fighter, you need to fully commit to it. And you need to know how to fight. And you need to have a good fight IQ to develop if you want to survive in that kind of career. Because in MMA, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get injured. And if you don't want to suffer any of those kind of consequences, you just have to be very careful and be very defensive and make sure that you walk away unscathed in a way. But yeah, so... You said something about WWE and Yeah, like the, the ratings, the income. Well, because, like, I don't know much about WWE anymore because I stopped watching a long time ago. Because at this point, WWE is so cheesy nowadays. And, like, yeah, it's, it's, not, basically, it's basically more for show entertainment. It's not, like it's not as exciting as, like, when, like, the like, wrestlers we watched, like, we watched growing up, like, you know, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin, anybody, any of the most popular WWE wrestlers that we know of, it's not as the same as back then than it is now. Okay, the reason, in my opinion, in my opinion, the reason why I say that it's kind of going into a downfall is because these new wrestlers that are coming into the WWE, it's not over. It's not. It's not like they're not good. It's just that it, we're just not used to seeing new wrestlers coming in. And I've seen some of the new wrestlers, so you know, enter in. Some of them are good, but it's not enough to get my attention. And some of them, they they just flat out suck at you know making the matches exciting because all they do is just talk and talk and talk a lot more nowadays than actually just getting into the action. And with even though like even though like the crowd is not as there as much, and they actually, and funny thing is that they every time WWE has like their matches they actually project people on zoom calls into like this whole entire screen so you can actually hear the reaction but still i think it's weird and back then before they started putting people's faces on like on zoom calls and projecting into like the crowd as like a way of like attendance um when it was just like really awkward by themselves no crowd except for the crew that's you know managing the event it just looks sad really it just looks very very sad and stupid and I couldn't even watch it. I'm like, oh my god, it's so, so boring, really. Where do you think the UFC goes after COVID, where we have fans back in attendance? They're just gonna do. They're just gonna keep on doing the same thing as usual. And um, earlier, when you when you mentioned something about the UFC, what did you say something before about the UFC before I got into the WWE's downfall? Uh, how they rely on their income. Oh, yeah, so, like I said before, I'm pretty sure they're going to do both. Uh, but at the same time, there will be some days where they will take turns on which network they will do at Either pay-per-view streaming, uh, streaming services like ESPN Plus or ABC. So, depending on how the event goes, um, they will decide uh, whether to put on which is which. And that's mostly Dana White's job. He chooses like which network to stream it on. But I think that... It's just gonna happen on both anyways, just because not only they will give more like more people access and more like like uh, fans and followers like to kind of like spectate and experience those fights themselves, but I think it will be a lot more good for the company than just having just to rely on one you know, network each or streaming service. But like I said, they're gonna take turns, which I already know for a fact because. There will be days where they will do, like I said, on ESPN Plus or ABC Network or pay-per-view. Because when you look at leagues like the, the National Hockey League, they rely on having the fans in the attendance. 
So it's it's tough for them. So would you say that the that the UFC, even throughout this whole situation, that financially they'll be okay? Yeah, cause like you know, Dana White knows how to keep business running, and he knows how to do, and he knows how to defy the odds. Cause during the beginning of the pandemic, when he pitched in the idea that he's still gonna bring back the UFC where there's no crowds, and just only the fighters and the crew working there. A lot of the reporters, they were just like laughing at his face and they said like, oh, it's not going to work. Uh, oh, you are so stupid. You were out of your mind thinking that you're going to bring back the UFC into this and this, whatever. But um, a, few months worked. Af- a few months after, Dana White worked and it was actually one of the very first sports to come back during the middle of the pandemic. And the reason why um, basketball, football, hockey, or whatever, like a majority of other sports are having difficulties bringing back know into like you know into to into fruition is because not only that it kind of like they lack like confidence of like trying to build themselves back up from the bottom to you know, where they were before but it's just that the marketing they they don't do enough they didn't they don't contribute enough to try to bring it back at least that's why you don't see baseball as much you don't see basketball you don't see football i'm not sure about football um or hockey or well, tennis and golf, it's okay at the moment, but it's not as much. But yeah, so that's why you don't see them doing as well because it's like they just lack that certain something to you know bring themselves back up to where they were before before the pandemic had started. And uh, not only that, the UFC was the very first you know sport to um, you know be brought back to the middle of the pandemic, but. Boxing was also the second sport to be brought back as well because when boxing found out that the UFC was coming back and they saw what they that what Dana White did was very very like good for the business and how he managed to defy the odds. That's when boxing decided like you know hey if Dana White can do it so can we so now we brought ourselves back boxing into like you know the network as well and what's crazy is that in boxing. Now they actually let they actually let people attend their live like audiences. So, because in the last they do, yeah. Because like when I watched Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith, there was at least twenty to thirty percent of audience capacity inside of the stadium, and it's so weird hearing the crowd cheer again, and it's so weird. And at first, like I thought that number one, you're crazy in the thinking that you're bringing a bunch of crowds into the stadium, but at the same time. Um, from what I've heard, I've heard that they've tested the audience, and so far, majority of the audiences have been tested negative. So that's why they were there in attendance to see the fights live. So, um, yeah, I mean, they managed to make it work. And I don't, and like I said, it's so weird hearing the crowd noises and cheers and screams and whatever. It's just so weird to hear that again, you know? It's very weird, but I'm just hoping that we'll get back to that eventually. And it's because it seems like out of all the major sports mm-hmm. going on, you have you have National Football League, uh, we had Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA. Mm-hmm. That UFC is number one. Mm-hmm. It's trending. Mm-hmm. People are watching it globally. It's advertised more. Yes. So, do you think most of that has to do with Dana White and the way he handles his business? I think that, like you know, without. I I just kind of this may sound a little bit like cheesy or bad in a way, but I think that without the pandemic and without Dana White's like you know, uh, strategy of you know taking advantage of like the marketing for like like 
DOC and how mm-hmm. to promote it during the middle of the pandemic. You have to give him credit for doing that because not only, like I said, he made the UFC a lot more popular and has gained more sales and more money than it's ever been, but without that, like the UFC would never been as popular as it is now. So you have to give him credit for that, and and I'm glad that Dana White defied the odds of like bringing back uh, the UFC in the middle of the pandemic because I was worried that for a second while the pandemic was happening. I was worried that they were never going to bring back UFC events or fights for like a whole year or not for a while, at least until 2021. But now he just did it throughout the majority of the year. And you had to, like I said, you had to give him credit for that. And I, I admire it. Could you see Dana White owning more leagues? No, I don't, I don't think so. Cause the UFC, he, like that's his career, and he's built the UFC because of him. Cause like uh, back then, uh, Dana White, I don't know much about his history, but I do remember that he, I think he said that he used to do some promotions here and there for like small things or whatever before he made the UFC, and he also used to work as a hotel worker too. But uh, he quit and decided to pursue as a as a CEO or a or president of like. MMA organization but yeah like I mean I love Dana White because I and without Dana White and without his like um, like like tenacity or his way of how to promote the UFC I don't think the UFC would ever be as it is today than it is now interesting I got a lot of respect for Dana White I think he's done a phenomenal job because if you look at other professional sports leagues they've They've struggled, you know, they've struggled at first to get dates, you know, the National Hockey League, they, it's been a while. They did a good job with the playoff, obviously, the bubble. Uh, their season will start on January 13th, on January 13th, hopefully. But I think he's, he's done a phenomenal job for sure. Yeah, because with Dana White, like, like I said before, he knows how to do things. Because, like, if you look at boxing promoters or any other MMA promoters, like, in other MMA organizations, they they lack that certain something that Dana White can do that they that they themselves cannot do. So, if he's because there will be times where other promoters would try to be like Dana White, but it never works out because like first of all, you're not Dana White, and second of all, the reason why Dana White is able to do these things on such a high level than you are is because not only that he knows how to be very persistent in the right way. But he knows how to be very smart about it. But unlike you, you don't rely on this one certain thing that's thinking that's gonna be forever. Cause like when I mentioned to you before that boxers, like in, like boxing promoters, they only promote main fighters. They don't promote the the prelim fighters or the undercard fighters as much. But for Dana White, he shares that promotion. Yeah, because I see it in the commercial. You'll have you'll have McGregor versus. Uh, Mayweather, and then you'll have the the undercards right underneath it, and I think that does a that's that does a great job for their their ratings for sure. I mean, like for Mayweather McGregor, I mean, even though that was mostly the boxing promoter's job that they did the promotion, because obviously you know this is boxing community and McGregor's coming into boxing, but from what I've heard, I I heard that Dana White had a little bit of part of it in it too, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. But if he did, that's good for him as well. Anything else you'd like to bring up? Um, I don't know, because, I mean, like, 
I'm just I'm just saying that I hope that um, by the time 2021 comes in, we will you know get things done with with the pandemic. People will get vaccinated. The you know UFC will have its like live attendances again. With you know hearing the crowd cheer or whatnot, and um, yeah, I mean like this is. I mean, I'm just I'm looking forward for next year with 2021, especially with all these upcoming fights that are really excited to watch for next year. But like I said, I'm just hoping that by the time like of early next year, I hope that people will you know get at least vaccinated, and I hope that the COVID cases will go down, so that way at least some attendances of the crowds can be there. But I highly doubt it though, because from what I've heard, they're still not going to do crowds just to be you know safe. So. I mean, that's Dana White's choice because, like, he, I think he said that he wanted to keep the crowds a little less still and not as much as, like, what, when I mentioned about boxing having their live attendances. So, if that's his, if that's Dana White's, if that is uh, Dana White's choice of, like, you know, not having crowds or just keeping the crowds just up by a little bit, then, I mean, I respect that because, I mean, it's, I mean, like, whatever he does is, is always right. And the fact that it'll be 2021, we don't have to hear here. We don't have to hear. We don't have to hear Andrew talk about how he's going to be twenty one the last seven months. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is true. And also, um, also now also be the um, that also be the beginning of where Joe Biden will also get inaugurated as uh, the next president. Which I'm not going to get into politics. But I'm just pointing at that out there. That's pretty much it. And yeah, I mean, another thing I'm excited about the the next year is that um, like you know because like this past month. Um, you and I, we have uh, unfriended a certain somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we have unfriended a certain somebody. Well, he unfriended us. Yeah, but we were blocked. Yeah, but even though like um, he unblocked us and he unfriended us first, like even though I'm not gonna say his name, Madison Valdez. <laughs> <laughs> Madison, if you're watching this, um, suck it up. But I, I highly doubt that you're gonna watch this because you blocked Doug on social media anyway. So it's not like you're gonna see this. Yeah, but anyways, so that, that could be a conversation for something else. For yeah, we'll day. save that conversation for another you know, time. We could maybe have Andrew come on and we could discuss it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, so um, what like, a month. Yeah, like I said, we uh, we're no longer part of like Madison's little like uh, little bubble or whatever. So we don't have to deal with, we don't have to deal with his BS for a while. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And I want to I don't want to get it too off topic. But uh, yeah. That's it, and we'll just save the other topics for next time. Yeah, maybe we'll have Andrew on. We'll see. We'll see what well, happens. Then we gotta have commercials. We gotta do breaks. Like I said, we'll see what happens. It also depends on our schedules too, because not everybody can be free at the same time, you know. So we'll see what happens from there. Well, let's just give a congratulations to James, great producer for the Doug Charles Show. That you did a great job with all this with the setup. Thank you, James. Thank you. Yeah, that was a little bit of a low clap, but whatever. <laughs> So we ha- we had Brandon Brandon Wagner on today. It's been a great show. I bet the ratings are going to look good. Thanks, Brandon. Anytime, and hopefully um, the ratings do go up as well. But um, I don't know. We'll see once you uh, upload this. We will. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much.